it's late January, it's cold outside, we're huddled around the wood stove, and I guess you know what that means. That's right, it's time to think about spring. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of January 29, 2015. You are so rightly that nothing makes me think about spring so much as cold weather, because I, I want to think ahead that it's going to be better at some time in the future. We were out finishing up planting our long leaves uh, yesterday or day before yesterday. And uh, of course, it actually wasn't too bad that day, but. We probably need to update people about long leaves. We said in our last podcast that we planted 330 trees. And, and I've, we've had several comments from people saying, I can't believe you know exactly how many trees. So you need to know that we planted 140 more, plus or minus. We came into a bonus of. of yeah, my trees. brother Dave Gray texted me on Sunday and said, hey, I've got some more trees, you, or maybe it was Saturday night. I got a few more trees uh, free to a good home. So he and I hooked up on Sunday, and we brought the trees home and got them planted. I guess it was uh, Tuesday afternoon we were able to get them planted. So they are in a good home. They I, are in a good home. I thought of that experience just to um, review the week, uh, which when we're saying it's cold and wintry. Well, we had some days that really were most unpleasant to be outside, a lot of wind, um, and of course we can't complain after what the poor East Coast has been You bet, been up in we New just, England, they're having a, just can't. a brutal, uh, life-threatening storm. Yeah, we're really and not we have not had anything like that. It's been very pleasant here by and large, but you're right, we've had a two or three cold, blustery, windy days uh, that were that made it unpleasant to be outside. But we've always got plenty we can work on inside, so that wasn't a problem. But I, the focus of the podcast really has to do with thinking ahead to uh, pleasant times to come, <laughs> warmer weather. So, um, and, and plus, it's just a time on the calendar year that we must start planning ahead. So I took time to prioritize what needs to be done in order to, order to plant the spring vegetable garden in a timely manner. Um, so I kind of put it in order, um, starting with the unpleasant task of cleaning up the dead plants. We're back to thinking about cold weather for a moment because the broccoli and some of the older arugula plants basically got just knocked off by that cold, that really severe cold snap. That's right. They're pretty much done now. So I'll pull those. and um, Although I, I do need to interject and say the arugula, I, I'm not the... Um, yeah, the arugula took it real hard. The broccoli produced well for us right up until the oh, it, time it... Right, You're, it, but it's basically done. Now, I have had it when we didn't have a severe winter. Um, I've had broccoli live longer and continue to produce those little, tiny little flowerets, and it's exhausting really dealing with all that. It's just, you know, you barely, you have to, you can sit out there and clip all day just to get enough for two people's meal. So... <clears throat> I'm ready to give up on those. And uh, once I've cleared up the dead material, and it needs to be done anyway, then um, I'll turn my attention to something else that's pressing, which is the garlic 
and onion, there's not a whole lot of onion out there, but the garlic beds really need weeding. The, you'd never think that the weeds could thrive in this kind of weather, but they have. So that needs to be done in order to make sure that we have nice, healthy, uh, as large as possible garlic, which we'll harvest sometime in the early summer, early to midsummer, depending on when it's uh, ready. <clears throat> and then just the day before yesterday, you you found something for me that I was... And we've actually talked about this particular vegetable in a podcast before, onions, and how difficult it has been the past couple of years to find short day varieties, which are appropriate for this area, um, in the stores, to find the transplants. And we just stumbled upon them at True Value Hardware. I was stopping by there to pick up a couple of things and to pay my bill. Yeah, True True Value Value Hardware in Tallahassee found these three different varieties of short-day onion starters. Uh, what do you call them, sets, onion sets? Well, I think they're actually transplants. Okay, uh, bundles yeah. of sets, uh, of transplants. And we got a bundle of Georgia sweet onion, a bundle of Texas sweet onion, and a bundle of red of sweet red onion. So I can't wait to try those. And, and what I don't can't plant here, I'll take to my little garden at the extension center and get that in there but anyway i'd prefer to have planted those in the fall they didn't have them in the fall but january will do so is it fair to say that our resolution now is that we're going to do everything we can to save seed from these i don't know i actually have a packet of onion seed i could just that's probably easy short day yes short day well we really don't want to miss that opportunity again because we, we've we noticed what a huge difference it makes to be able to plant them in the fall. They're larger. These are bulb onions. They're, they're, you want a nice big bulb, um, and um, we won't have them this year. These will probably be smaller, but we will have some onions because yeah. I'm going to plant a lot of them, so that'll be good. Um, and it's also time to start the seeds indoors for truly summer plants, uh, tomatoes, peppers, eggplant, any herbs, um, you know, maybe some marigolds or, or flowers like that, because, um, of course, they need time to <clears throat> mature, be ready to be set out in the early spring. And um, the eggplants maybe a little bit later because they like it warm. But um, on the tomato plants, and I know we've talked about this before, but they may need to be potted up a couple of times. They should be, actually, to get them proper size for putting out in the garden. So. And we've really not done that well yet. Not well. So we're hoping mm-hmm. we can sort of uh, turn over a new leaf with our tomatoes and get them uh, repotted a couple of times and nice and sturdy by the time we put them yes. in the ground. And then, of course, another thing I have to do is clear um, at least one bed for my first crop. The first crop will be spring peas. And th- those are like English peas and sugar snaps, that sort of thing. Spring peas being crops that can go in before the last frost. Yes. They can take a light frost. Yes. So actually, I guess they could take a heavy frost. Probably. So. But um, I, the, the thing about the peas is I'd like to plant a whole row of them, and they will need a trellis. And I know you don't like to put trellises up on a half road. Bingo. So I've got to determine... Which bed do I want to clear completely to put that trellis up? And uh, parenthetically, once the spring peas have uh, finished, and they will finish early because once it gets hot, <clears throat> they don't like hot weather, they'll be gone and that will clear that trellis bed for um, a, a heat-loving veg of some kind. <clears throat> Cucumbers that I could also trellis, something like that. 
I have to make a decision as to which lucky bed is going to be um, terminated. And I think maybe I'll just take out the rem- remaining rutabagas and use that bed because the front. Oh the, no! Twist my arm. You mean I'm going to have to eat rutabagas? <laughs> and they store. They store pretty well. We won't have to eat them all at one time. But the thing about that bed is that on the north side, I had tried planting some later transplants and they just didn't do much and I think the cold weather basically finished them off so um, the north end of the bed is is gone anyway south end has some nice rutabagas yes they could get larger but I think in about you know a week and a half maybe two weeks out I'll go ahead and pull those and that'll be time to do the peas that sounds good and lest you get the wrong impression I really do love rutabagas uh, this is not your mother, your grandmother's rutabagas. These are oh, fresh actually they from are. the garden. <laughs> well, these are not your mother's rutabagas. Well, if that? they came in a can. They're not canned rutabagas. They they are so tasty, fresh from the garden. Uh, just a, I won't say more than a hint of sweetness. They are decidedly sweet. And boy, are they good. So we, we always enjoy eating rutabagas from, right. from the garden. And I probably have mentioned this before, but I grew up... The only time, only kind of rutabaga I ever had was out of a can, like the can bought from the store. And when people would ask me um, what I like, you know, what my favorite foods were and what I didn't like, I would say, but the one I hate the most is rutabagas. Well, it's because I thought that's what a rutabaga tasted like. And the first time I ever went to the grocery store and purchased a fresh rutabaga, although not nearly as fresh as what we get from the garden, but you know what I mean, like a one that had not been canned or altered, I decided these are good. Mm -hmm. So when we decided to start growing them here, yes, one of my favorites is to go out in the garden. They don't have, you don't just take it right out of the ground, clean it off a little bit, uh, zap it in the microwave enough to get that tough skin softened so you can cut through it easily, peel it, dice it, it's ready to go. I don't even have to season the things. They're so good. Um, But back to... That's making me hungry, so let's get back to the garden. Um, One thing we've talked about in the past is that we have a lot of cover crop in, well, any bed that's not being used right now has cover crop in place. Yeah, I I don't know of any way to term it other than a full-on cover crop survey experiment. We have, I, I guess, maybe six or seven different cover crops all out on Veg Hill Basically, just to see what we think works well for us. And then one of the beds is planted completely in lupin, which we know works well. And another one is planted with a mixture of lupin and some kind of oats. That you and oats. Not oats. black oats, but just regular oats. Right. And um, so those, I know, should do well. But you're right. And, and even even the most, even the least positive or the least effective cover crop out there is better than no cover crop at all. And we can say with confidence now, we don't have a single bed whose cover crop has not performed at least moderately well. Yes, They're all doing well. Because we mentioned that one of them got nipped by the cold, but it seems to be doing okay Bouncing back okay. And, you know, it's it's just one of the, the interesting rhythms of the seasons that these cover crops, and in fact, brassicas in general, they sort of sleep through the winter, and when they hit February and early March, they basically burst forth. So the longer we can leave that cover crop in place, we'll get a real benefit from that, Um, and I I know that's what you're planning to do. I'm with you on that. However, there will be some need to terminate some of them just to be able to plant these various 
beds that I'm I about to talk about. <clears throat> and so the next, uh, so yes, I agree with your goal. We're going to leave whatever we can in place as long as we can as far as cover crops. But um, the whole goal is to be able to eat. So <laughs> I need to plant food. And one of the first, besides the peas, one of the first ones that I will plant will be potatoes. Now, <clears throat> I'm doing a little experiment. I saved a few. They're looking kind of shrivelly, but they're not rotten yet. I saved a few from last year's crop, and they've sprouted a little bit. So I'm going to put some of those into the ground and see how they do. Um, and then I will buy some just from the farmer's feed store. They're not expensive. Um, I'm still learning. Someday I'll branch out and try the exotic blue potatoes. But those are expensive if you're not sure you have it down to a science, and I don't yet. So <clears throat> I'm going to do one more year of experimentation with potatoes. We did have a good crop last year. I was yeah, pleased. we did. <clears throat> and then in the, later in the month of February, there will be some direct seeding going on. I've already mentioned the peas, but you can also put in mustard, which I like mustard, and I know you don't like it that much, but if we mix it in yes. with other greens in moderation, <clears throat> it should be pretty good. Turnips, beets, those can all go in in the month of February, and they should um if, if, until it gets too hot you know for them to tolerate they should do okay could we not have planted mustard turnips and beets in, fa in yes, the fall we, we could have and i didn't okay but they can also be planted in this time of the year so yeah. we'll be fine okay. on that and i won't plant a lot of those i'm just <clears throat> trying it out as a spring planting in march <clears throat> we can plant carrots and those also could have in fact the next three that I'll mention could all have been planted in the fall as well. Carrots, spinach, and Swiss chard. <clears throat> but I didn't plant any. And again, March is a good time to get them going before it gets too hot. And then by mid-March, I can actually plant corn. Really? Yes. Okay. According I, to... I guess you and I will have to have a conversation about that because I was going to suggest that we uh, keep our eye on the bed where you have lupin and lupin and oats growing now and let that lupin go right up until the 1st of June. So we even. plant more corn then. But we want to try to en enhance our possibilities with corn. And again, I'm still at the experimenting stage of what works here. I know what's supposed to work. but <clears throat> So I'm not planning to dig up that bed. I'll plant it somewhere, but I do want to try planting some early corn. Okay. I want to see if I can get ahead of those earwigs. Those are like the bane of my existence with corn. All right. Okay, I'm open to it. Because obviously when you've had so many years of failure as we have with corn, you're pretty easy to convince to try something different. Well, so. another thing that might be good is to get ahead of those um, midsummer thunderstorms. Because when my corn plants have been small, uh, you know, they're tall out of the ground, but they're not really, um, you know, established well. And a thunderstorm comes along with the high wind and it blows the corn over. That's been a real problem in the past. But I thought if I could get a nice stand of corn going early on, who knows? Okay. And and maybe maybe we simply get an early harvest and it's done by the time those storms hit. But um, I, I'd like to try it. And I saved some corn seeds from last year, the corn kernels, to, to try planting my own. So we'll see what happens. Um, there's a lot more that will happen in April and from then on in the summer, but I thought we'd save that as a another podcast. Sounds good. And and we'll be 
I'm sure keeping you up to speed on all of that as as those dates approach and as we um but you'll probably need to go ahead and acquire the seeds now for everything you're planning to plant well, this summer, right? I'm glad you mentioned seeds. Um, I have some from last year, and I've taken pretty good care of them to store them. So even if they have a lower germination rate than they would, I will just seed more heavily uh, out there with those. And then I have run out of certain types of seeds that I really want to use, like the turnips. So I have my eye on ordering from Peaceful Valley, which is a seed uh, company that will actually ship for free if I order you know, X number, like 10 packets of seed or along with some other order. So uh, sometimes shipping costs are what kill me on these seeds, especially when you think of just it's a tiny little package. You hate to spend more on the shipping than you do the seeds. But um, that's I'm inclined to look at that, and, and I've been looking through their catalog, and they've got some pretty good selections. So um, hopefully I'll be getting those orders placed very soon. Okay. Uh, just a quick update on the forest angle. Uh, you and I have had a great deal of conversation during the past few days about controlled burns. Uh, if you are uninitiated, uh, working as we are to maximize the performance of our longleaf pines, it is almost um, a waste of time to do that without using fire in a judicious manner. You and I both have shied away from fire. We were raised on Smokey the Bear, only you can prevent forest fires. We have a built-in aversion to uh, fire occurring in the woods. But we're slowly coming around, and uh, we're, we're in the process of learning more about controlled burns. So you'll be hearing more about that, I hope in the weeks ahead as we experiment with that. We've been plotting strategy about exactly where we would do our first ones, try to keep our plantings together in an area like this year's planting. So we'll say, okay, we're not going to burn that for several years because those plant those trees need to get, need to get established. We're going to start with an area where we know there's no longleaf younger than maybe two or three or four even. Where <clears> the, <throat> the established longleaf, after it's been uh, two, three, four years old, it can withstand fire when other small trees cannot. And that's one of its evolutionary adaptations that helps it survive. So we're going to exploit that by using fire. Um, and just a, a real quick note about the longleafbreeze.com website. Uh, we have some exciting news about longleaf breeze. Um, we hope that in the next few weeks to come, you will see a new look and frankly, a new focus for the website as we move away from let us tell you what we're doing to let's talk about how people can do what we're doing. More resource for others than, uh, than just a log of what Lee and Amanda are doing. So that's a, it's exciting to us to think about that change of direction, and it's also going to result in a a radically different look for the website. And I thank you for taking the website on because, well, that's what it's been your baby all along. Um, Lee could be hired out as a webmaster for any company. Uh, he's very good at that. But thanks to your research about other um, options out there, the some of the newer options in the marketplace for uh, website construction 
uh, we will be taking advantage of that and trying to help Longleaf Breeze be more functional for, for all involved. Exactly. And so you'll be seeing and hearing all about that in the weeks ahead. Well, thank you for being with us today. We hope you have a great week and hope to catch up with you next time. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.